VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times. Now with goals. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast, the football podcast from The Times. I'm Gabriel Marcotti and in the studio this week, I'm excited because I am joined by the excellent Tony Cascarino, the excellent James Scowcroft, and making his debut this season from the soon-to-be independent Republic of Merseyside, it's Tony Barrett. Good morning, gentlemen, and uh, coming up, we'll be talking about events at Villa Park, as well as the transfer market, plus the usual quick hits, but first... Let's head to the Etihad. Fabregas, just to calm things down, Ivanovic, oh, he's giving it away, Silva's snapping into it, and Fernandinho, it's three! It's a chastening afternoon for Jose Mourinho and co. And Fernandinho, who might have been sent off in the first half for an elbow on Costa, has just delivered an emphatic blow. City and Chelsea, Cass, we were talking before coming in here, and you made the point that if you didn't know that that was Chelsea, if they were sort of dressed up in uh, in different colours, mm. uh, you would have thought, "Wow, this is just a, a rubbish team with rubbish players." <laughs> well, it was it was really bizarre watching a game by a team that's been so disciplined, organised, concede very few goals. Have gone through the opening two games of the season, conceding five, outmuscled as well, not just outplayed, lacking a certain amount of pace in their team that stood out. It just did not feel like what Mourinho has prided himself on about the way he wins football matches. Probably one of the poorest performances I've seen from Chelsea, certainly in the last couple of years. Uh, James, conversely, uh, City were, were, were supposedly the team that, you know, they would have a problem if they played Yaya Torre alongside one holding midfielder. Uh, Navas was rubbish. Uh, Sterling was going, wasn't going to settle. And yet, they were pretty devastating in, in, in that first half, weren't they? Well, they've been devastated in the first two games, haven't they? They've, they've come out of the blocks. They made a good point. I think what's happened in previous seasons, it's been a very slow start to those games, Man City mm. and Chelsea. And then Chelsea just get an edge, and if they get the goal, they then part the bus. And I think Man City yesterday knew that they had to come flying out of Chelsea. If we can get an early goal, all of a sudden it gives Chelsea a massive problem because they then got to come and attack. And, and I just think they caught from, from the first whistle... You know, Chelsea just never really got going. You know, I think the the pace and the tempo that Man City played with, and and to be fair, similar to uh, the West Brom game the other night, I think uh, they've been very impressive. And rightly so, with the squad they've got, Gab. You know, Man City with the, with the, the spine in their team they've got, they should they should play that well as well. Yeah, but uh, I, and this, but this is what strikes me, James, is you look back to last year and, and 
company had a, a had a disappointing season by his standards. Fernandinho had a disappointing season. Kolarov, who I thought was was just an absolute beast down the left hand side, linked well with, with with Sterling, had a so-so season. But what's what's different? I mean, is it something that, that, that does a footballer just? Well, I mean, is it really? A, that big a deal having a summer off and then coming back and you feel better and well I've obviously underachieved last season for me they've had the best squad in the last four or five seasons you know and they've underachieved if you look at the spine of their team for me the, the spine of the team is as good if not better than any spine of the team in, in the world Joe Hart company when, when he's on top of his game Yaya Torre David Silva just behind and Aguero. I, I don't see a better spine of a team certainly not in this country but, but in world football so and when they're at it like they were yesterday you're pulling a face at me. What, what, can you name one? Go probably on argue that Bayern Munich or Barcelona probably have better players than, than City. What, better centre half and company on his day. Well, yeah, it's. You can't have company and not mention Mangala, can you? Or Demichelis. But yeah, no. If you, I'm if saying you put, as, a, as a you know, as right through your team. You, you, yeah, see, but you know what? I don't Aguero. buy this right through your team thing. I think it's just one of those like non. People talk about spine. Yeah. This is this is a philosophical argument for another time. It's, it's, it's a crock of BS. I think it's just one of those football stereotypes that gets thrown out there. It's important to have a good sky, a good spine, preferably a British spine. And there's no such thing. This is a spine. Am I wrong, Cass? It's not... What? <laughs> no, no, but I'll, I'll tell you why. Because in the modern game, your, 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 your fullbacks get more touches than your central midfielders. So, like, the, the, this idea that, like, you know, I mean, Lionel Messi plays on the wing. He's pretty influential, right? And there's a saying football He's gap. It's all about what happens in both penalty boxes. Okay, but what does that have to do with the spine? I mean, it's down the middle of the pitch, isn't it? I think if you ask most managers that when they have, as we've just said, a spine, that it's a dominating area that stops and creates, whether you're going forward or backwards. You know, if you take centre-halves of the importance of them, it stood out last year with Chelsea that Cahill and Terry, for me, they were the rock in front of Courtois. Okay, who who, who won the title the year before Chelsea? Manchester City. Who were the centre-halves? Well, company. And? Oh, uh, Di Macias, was uh-huh. it? Yeah. So, yeah, I'd still... Well, I'm not arguing they're not the spine of Who City. Who the year before so that? That's what United? he's just... Who were their centre-halves? But that, that, that's I know, it, to no, me, it just but, seems like... Well, no, obviously, like, if you're talking God, about but spine, this physical and you include everybody who plays in the middle, then, then you've got six, seven guys, and obviously teams, good teams, will have better yeah, good guys in the middle. I don't... I mean, It's I the don't... physical presence of that area of the pitch. Right. They're the big guys. They're strong guys. They dominate. Mm-hmm. That's what company did. He was a gladiator. When we talk about last season, did why they, did they struggle? Obviously, you're well, better it's funny you enough, good... you mentioned... You just said Zabaleta's a beast. No, I said Kolarov. No, you didn't. You said Kolarov. No, Zabaleta. I said Kolarov. Zabaleta didn't play yesterday. I didn't mean yesterday. Before. You said from where, where things went wrong from last season. You said, I think Z- Zabaleta is a beast. Okay, a game's not won and lost. Wide on a touchline in the middle right. of the pitch. Okay. Can you help me here, Barrett, and then maybe explain to me why they spent so much money on Raheem Sterling, who plays wide? Yeah, I, I, I'm sort of in, me, in the middle of these. No, you're not. That, that's cold for <laughs> saying. I, I don't I'm, want to I'm, to I've it. got a fence and I'm going to sit on it. I think the spine matters more than certain teams. I think the spine matters more than the Eagle team than, than it would do in, for Barcelona. I think that if Chelsea is solid down the middle, as they were yesterday, Chelsea tends to win titles. I don't think Chelsea... Eden Hazard will be the obvious exception to this. I don't think Chelsea win titles with what they've got down the flanks. Ivanovic, Azpilicueta, very solid, tend to tuck in anyway. Hazard is the absolute why, the exception to that. I do think Chelsea's about being a team with a solid spine. I think City's slightly different. City's got more got more quality in wide areas. But I, I just looked at City yesterday and, and I didn't think it was just about what they've got in central areas. 
you have to ask yourself why they were so different from how they, they've been against City the last few times they played them. And I, I do think the Sterling's key to that. I think Sterling's created space straight away for Kolodov to run into. I think Kolodov's not getting doubled up on. He's not having to do as much defensive work so he's able to go forward. I think Sterling's ability to penetrate, open up the pitch for, for Silva, who's trying in a little bit of extra space. And, it, and it's given uh, Aguero more space to run into. I didn't think... Sterling as an individual is fantastic yesterday, but also as a team player, he, he was he was key to what City did. Tony, you made the point. Uh, obviously, you were at the game. You, you got to hear the the two managers, uh, Mourinho saying it was a, a fake scoreline, and I'm going to try to summarize his argument, which was that yes, they were uh, City were much better than Chelsea in the first half, but uh, it was only one nil, and then Chelsea were much better than City in the second half. Can you make an argument here at all? Is there any way to formulate some sort of credible blue-tinted argument that if you consider that Fernandinho probably should, you know, might have been sent off for that foul on, on Diego Costa and then Ramirez is probably onside, that, I mean, is there any way you can construct some logical, rational argument for why Mourinho's correct? Yeah. You can. What? What, no, what Mourinho said, and, and he used the phrase BS before, he wrapped up what was not an illogical point in BS, and, and that was the problem with it. When when he said there was a stage when you couldn't see City going on and getting a second and a third, there was, there was a stage about probably 65, 70 minutes into the game where Sterling and tired, where Pellegrini started making changes, desi- designed to hold on to the 1-0, uh, designed to keep hold of possession more, which was Wapling and Nazion was about... You couldn't see them going on and getting a second and third, and that I think that was the stage of the game where he's where, where, where he's referring. Had he just said that, had he said we were monstrously outplayed in the first half and it could have been four, five, or six, but there was a stage in the second half where you couldn't actually see it being two or three. I think I think a lot of people said, well, that's probably fair enough, but because he goes to such a ridiculous tangent, uh, it, do, it does just become that extreme view that that people can't agree with, and, and it is it's, it's Mourinho's logic is Mourinho's way of spinning away from the game and, and the realities of it and, that, and that's what he does time and time again So last week we had Julian Lawrence here who said that the problem or one of the problems with Chelsea is that Cesc Fabregas can't defend and, and I got a little bit upset because I spent oh, time with him I, I agree with that, I'm, I'm with him on that Okay, Tony are you going to be mean to, to Cesc as well? I mean, and, and yes, I, I'll give you the fact that maybe defending isn't his strong suit hmm. But then again, he's alongside Matic, who looks half the player he was in the first half of mm. the season. He's got Ivanovic, who's getting killed at the back. I mean, there's all sorts of mitigating circumstances, right? Mm. I mean, is Cesc really the problem here? Well, people are skipping past him. I think if you look at the... Um, James I mean, it's not like he was Roy Keane last year, right? No, I, I think, look, Cesc is a fantastic footballer. If he adds more going forward to than he does defensively, then you want a winner. Now, in the opening, what? Was it, how long did it take, James, just a minute when Cesc yeah. gets skipped past? You know, for the opening chance for Aguero. Now, that is the opening start of the game. Now, Matic as well is not playing as well. And I don't know which way. It just feels you can't put the two of them together at the moment. It just feels like that. And likewise, it feels like Ivanovic is getting skipped past. Because he's had two weeks of wingers just literally taking him down. You know, getting past him. Sterling didn't do it as much as Montero, but he's still done it enough times where that caused, caused Chelsea a lot of problems. See, yes, Chelsea's got two or three players in their team that are getting skipped past. And that if you had that against Man City, you're in trouble because they've got too many players, when they get on the back of you, who are going to either open the game up or just cause havoc. Ollie Kay suggested on Twitter, uh, James, that 
he should have played, maybe an alternative could have been playing Zuma in midfield, dropping Ramirez. No, I, I, I to me it seemed like an alternative yeah. that Mourinho might pick, but it seems like a, a foolish alternative. Yeah, listen, I don't Fa- want to see Fabregas, midfield, Fabregas is a fantastic footballer, isn't he? And I think for ninety percent of their games mm-hmm. this season, especially at home when they've got to unlock the door, he is ideal. But I think in a game like yesterday, maybe his best is mm-hmm. being a sub and coming on in the second half. Oh, you would have dropped. Down. You would have dropped Sess, not Ramirez. You you would have put Zuma another big yeah. park in midfield. To well, go Hey, it's pretty depressing second week of the season and just, no, I, I, I can't see Zuma as a midfield player No, I just don't think he's good enough I, th- I think Matic needs help I think he, he, he's, if you look for the, the first goal he, he goes chasing the ball he needs somebody alongside him so he can have a listen right I'm here you're here we're going to put a block up here we're going to defend earth. Mm. for me he seems to be chasing the ball a little bit too much and maybe doing a little bit of Fabregas's work so is, is, is it I mean does that happen with footballers where, where Matic seemed to be able to do both jobs on his own last year but now this year, maybe for whatever reason, he needs... I mean, he was superhuman, I thought, in the first six months. A lot. It's not like Cesc last year was this tremendous defensive force in midfield, right? And yet it worked. Yeah, unless you put you push Fabregas further on. But I, I, certainly, if, if you look at a lot of teams now, they'll they'll play two sitting midfield players that... You know, Chelsea yesterday, just a little bit weak. Like, you know, you're going to criticise me here. Just down that spine of the middle of the team. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what's so weird, Gab, about all this? Is that... We're talking about the champions in two games in, yeah. and we've seen so much wrong that we didn't see, I would have said, Tottenham away last year, where Chelsea really got a hiding at, at White Lane, but you didn't see that hardly at all, in the, even in the second part of the second part of the season last year. But they looked like they could get over the line, Gab, in a certain manner of winning games. If you look at the title race last year, nobody really... Yeah, we we have to be careful saying as a poor Premiership. This is, this, Premier this is a perfect storm for Chelsea, though, isn't it? You've got you've got you've got a bit of ring rust that most teams get to start the season. You've got two very very testing fixtures. You've got a couple of players off form. You've got Mourinho's antics and, and all the distraction, and you've got a, a defence that did need strengthening, which is which still hasn't happened. So there is that perfect storm. I think what we're seeing now is not what what we're going to see in twelve fifteen games time. I, I think you've got to expect Chelsea to get over this, but they do look particularly poor. Can I, can I just add, we, you know, we say about fixtures they've had. They played Swansea, they got nine goals past Swansea last season. They took them apart. Now, they've opened the first game of the season, and they were very fortunate to get anything out of that game. I was at, at the game, I just felt, wow, even that felt weird, watching Swansea take Chelsea apart in certain areas of the park so often. Oh, there's no question Swansea played but very Gabby, well. You, you, they were poor at the end of the season, Chelsea. You know, they yeah, did some, a, you know Manchester United played very, very well against them at Stamford Bridge, although Chelsea won. But it's like Tony says, you know, it's two games, they will get over this, they will come good. But that was the game where Chelsea played like the 8-1-1 formation at, at Sanford yeah. Bridge. I was there and mm. and Rooney had that chance. And well. I want to I, I throw something else out of it, which I hadn't put in my script. But then I wake up this morning and I see so many papers are giving so much importance to it. I'm going to start with you, Tony, because you're a newspaper man. Is John Terry being subbed? Is this a, at halftime? Is this a story? Or are we just because I, I I just assume that I was having maybe wasn't fully fit wasn't having a great afternoon and Mourinho takes him off at halftime I think I assume that's what happened but people are making it seem as if you know the the, the X Men toppled Galactus or something was this really that big a deal? But this is a monster created by Mourinho. He's never taken him off before. Possibly never had to. But but you do create that kind of sacred cow. I'm trying to think of the last time a, a substitution felt this size. I mean, the last one I can think of was when Benito took Steven Gerrard off in the Merseyside derby, which was huge in itself. But Gerrard will have been 26, 27 then. And, and Terry's 34. 
I didn't think it was the right decision. I, I thought Gary Cahill was, was disastrous in the first half. I thought Aguero spun off him for the goal far too easily. And there's another couple of times where he tried to get too close to Aguero, just turned away. And, and that would have been the change for me. I did think it was about sending the message. It was about saying we've got a 30 boil that we're going to try and uh, retake, build our title retention bid around. Uh, we can't do this. We need a young man. It, we know that Mourinho's not happy that John Stones hasn't been signed. He thinks that the office should have went and hired and Everton should have been get made off of it. They couldn't refuse, but that hasn't happened. And I think that's what it's about. I, I saw Graham Sooness this morning on Sky saying just that, and I agree with him. I think, I think it was political. I think the whole thing was. Uh, James, I mean, the reason I'm directing is that James is like, I know you played for a million different clubs, Tony, so it might not quite apply to you, <laughs> but. When you have a club legend, and I'm trying to think of your era at, at Ipswich, for example, I, I don't know, or a guy who never gets substituted, like Matt Holland, oh uh, yeah, Matt Holland or Mark Venus or people like well, that, steady, right? Steady, steady. What? Go on. Are you not allowed to oh, say James? Venus? No, but 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 James James told You've us been in the past. Now, yeah. Go on. No, wasn't Venus? I, maybe I'm wrong. No, Matt Holland was it, was well. I think Matt played 300 games on the spin. That some right, but they're record. talking about Venus being an old guy who yeah, 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 who yeah, played for yeah. a long time, right? Yeah. But whatever. Let's go with Matt Holland. When he did get substituted, or if he had get su- gotten substituted, would that have sent shockwaves through like the through the teammates, or do you, as teammates say like, "Oh, look, so and you know, Bob yeah. was a great you know great player, but now he's slowing down a little. Maybe the manager shouldn't play him. Every- Maybe the manager should have some more balls. Maybe he should play the other dude." Does, does that happen? It does happen, yeah. And I, and I think it's a statement in several ways. I think, without doubt, it's a statement. I need more players, but I think it's a statement for the whole team as well. Where I'm taking the captain off, you know, I'm not happy of any of this. It's not the usual suspects that usually get taken off. I'm bringing, you know, John Terry. I disagree with it, although I think, was it the first minute when Aguero went through? He did show John Terry a clean pair of heels, which you didn't see. I think, you know, Cass, I had it in my career. I'm sure Cass had it as well. If you're 23 and you have a bad game, nobody really says anything. If you're 34, 35 and have a bad game, straight away, oh, he's finished, he's, he's done, he's... Well, and 24, now, you need a rest. Well, I want to ask about this because he's your fellow Irishman and fellow tall former Republic of Ireland striker. Mm-hmm. Niall Quinn came out and he said something like, was it on Sky, he said something like, I Terry's legs... Niall's a very smart guy. But I thought yesterday he got it so wrong over John Terry. It's a strange really? comment, wasn't it? It, it was a strange thing. He's finished, you know. He you won't, you know, we won't see him again. He was talking like that, wasn't he? And I was, I was like, really, no? You, <laughs> I tell you what, there's 19 other Premier League clubs. Will have him if you don't, if they don't want him, Chelsea. I I thought Mourinho got it wrong. Should never have took him off because, like what Tony said and James, he didn't warrant being taken off. There was far worse out there than him. Now, Mourinho spent all last week, it felt like that he was being undermined by the club doctor or the physio or whatever, and yet he's undermined his captain by bringing him off. Not because he played badly, because you can't say that John Terry was the poorest defender on the pitch. He was not. And his argument was, all down to pace. That was why he wanted a change. But he didn't look at Cesc Fabregas in the very first instance where the problem started. Because Cesc Fabregas gets span on by Silva and the ball gets played for. Tell me how many centre-halves, even quick ones, would have dealt with Aguero's half-a-yard movement that he got away. I doubt very few. Because Silva had his head up, he could see the pass. So I, I, I thought Quinny got it quite really, really wrong around John Terry. On the, right, you're taking responsibility for your words here, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So if he's upset... Niall, I have a word with Cass, not not with the rest of us. <laughs> uh, Tony, I, I obviously uh, there. Speaking of centre halves and speaking of, of, of defensive issues, Chelsea have locked up a full back 
Baba, uh, Baba Rachman from, uh, uh, from Augsburg. It's easy to look at this and say, oh, look, he's going to be the new Felipe Luis, a guy who'll play the odd game at left back and as Piliqueta slides to the right. Although it might be more relevant given the difficulty Vanovic is having. Maybe, maybe he can be Chelsea's new alternative at centre back uh, instead. But the one which I thought was more interesting was Otamendi. Now, um, you're up in the Northwest. I, my understanding is as we tape right now, this deal's not done yet, but certainly they're going very, very strongly in, in Spain that Otamendi is joining uh, from Valencia. Uh, the, I think the uh, amount thrown out there was something like 40 million euros, round about 24, 25 million pounds, plus Mangala on loan for one season. Otamendi was obviously linked with United for a long time. Did, did you see this coming? Uh, no, just, just because everything that I heard from City during the summer was that Mangala was going to be better this season. Uh, he has been born out. Far. I, I think that was born out yesterday. I, I thought he was outstanding yesterday, Mangala. I thought I thought he he was dominant in the air. I thought he won lots of big tackles. He, he just looked like a player who is settling in, starting to come to terms with, with what is needed in the Premier League. But I, I spoke to people at City after last night's game, and yet the Ottomendi thing is something he wanted to do. Although the fee does seem on heavy side for me, which is probably to do with the shortage of top quality centre-backs in, in European football at the minute but the kind of feeling I got was that Mangala won't be part of the deal uh, I, th- I think the idea is that he will be one of three first choice right. centre-backs along, and, and I think Otamendi coming in is, is large because company has, has shown a lot of physical frailties over the last couple of years and, and that's why and that's what the entire deal is about but Mangala is not going to be part of it from what I, what I understand Shaw has it now matter a second time Nice ball, Yanazai with the drag back, and the goal. 20-year-old Adnan Yanazai takes it very nicely. His first goal for Manchester United for some 27 games and 16 months. We had the debut of Friday Night Football, which I'm sure we uh, we all love. Actually, I loved it a little bit less because it was scheduled up against a debut of Bayern Munich this season. So I had to watch several games at once, which wasn't really a problem. But uh, United make it two of two they still have major freaking issues shooting the train is now approaching junction at platform passengers airport please stay on board next stop road station ios helps you control which apps you share your exact location with there's more to iphone it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss on goal James but they have six points so are you looking forward with cautious pride and optimism not really no you're so negative 
I've seen both United games. I was in United away end on uh, Friday night watching a game, and it was interesting that a lot of the hardcore support aren't having Mr. Van Gaal at the moment. Really? Yeah, which surprised me because they're usually quite patient and they're very patient with David Moyes, but just seems to be a few grumblings with um, Van Gaal. Yeah. Tactically, I, I, I think he's very good. On Friday night, they, they got the goal and they just strangled the game. They, they, they just killed the life out of Aston Villa. And But to watch entertainment value isn't isn't very good at the moment you're just worried like you say yesterday you look at the quality of the game yesterday although Chelsea were below par at this moment in time I cannot see Man United living with either of those two teams do they need to buy another centre forward they need to buy or, or can, Wayne, can Wayne Rooney play up front on his own Wayne, Wayne, Wayne Rooney can play up front on his own he can play a lot better than what he has but he can't do it all season Cass I want to ask you about Villa funnily enough they have three new signings named Jordan um <laughs> I, sorry, you, you, you can joke, but I, I read this in Bill Edgar's piece. Can you name all three? Oh, well, there's the fullback from Nice, but I don't I can't remember his surname. Amavi. Amavi, that's it. Um, then there's a Jordan AU. Mm-hmm. Um, and who's the other Jordan? Jordan. Michael Jordan? There you go. He's very good. Jordan Virtue. Jordan Spieth. Jordan no. Spieth, yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I, I wanted to ask you because you, you've got a similar accent to, uh, to Tim Sherwood. Um, <laughs> obviously, he, he, he came in. He mm. did well. There's still people who, who kind of seem to giggle. I don't think he gets the respect as a manager that his results might suggest. But he loses two big players like Dalph and Benteke. I mean, around the club, how do you think that, that that's affecting them? I mean, because they've been replaced by people that you know aren't exactly household names. No, but I think he's, he's shown, shown his knowledge of European football because he's gone round and... He's taken people that he identified that he wanted in positions, and they're okay. They're better Villa. I think they're they're going to have a hard season, but I still think they've got. He's added pace into the team. He took the boy from Blackburn as well, didn't he? That's a big, powerful, strong lad that hopefully will replace um, uh, Benteke. That would be Rudy Gustad. Gustad, yeah. I think he's he's shown that he his recruitment skills by how he's gone about it. I think losing two such big players is very difficult because they were so influential to the way Villa played. Uh, ben C.K. was the powerhouse, dominated the areas, and and Delph was the engine of the midfield, the spine of the team. <laughs> so I just think he's shown that he can... I think he's got gone to a lot of pace. He's trying to create a very young, hungry team that are going to be really motivated. And, and I thought, against United, they... They showed a lot of ambition, you know. Remember that last year they struggled to get goals. They really didn't create anything in games. I don't think that'd be the case this year. I think Villa will get better. I think he knows what he wants, Tim. I always get that feeling he quite is quite sure about how he wants his team to play. And I think we'll gradually see that. And I'm a bit like you. I think he's he should get more credit than he's done. He's got them to a cup final. He kept them up from a team that couldn't buy a goal up until Christmas last year. Tony, when... I, I assume that Villa would be sold by now, but funny enough, they haven't been. When you look at it, I, do Villa fall in that category of clubs like maybe Everton, who kind of in, in, in the new style Premier League really can't be expected to, to compete with the top four or, 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 or top six unless they really overachieve the way, the way Everton have done? Maybe fans need to recalibrate their expectations? I do think there's an element of that, and I think that's sad for the English game. If you look at, I know Villa are in local local ownership of Everton are, and that idea that clubs can belong to the community that they sprung from, um, um, 
can be competitive is dying and I, I do think that's very sad I think that was what the English game was supposed to be about and, and that may be a romantic well it is a romantic ideal in the, in the modern world but you want Villa to be competing you want them to have a team that can get into top six at the very least and, and I think it's actually fair in that now I look at it and besides when Luis Suarez had the one of the most miraculous seasons I think I've seen from an individual player. Liverpool now fall into that category. Liverpool are now a team that goes in seasons. Can they get into top four? So you've basically got the, the top two or three places sewn up. We've had the top four places. People expect to be sewn up and, and that anti-competitiveness isn't good for the English game. So the best Villa can do is hope to become like an Everton or a Spurs yeah, or Liverpool. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think Everton's a ceiling. template. And, and that's the, the funny thing is Everton supporters want change. They want their club to change because they want more. Uh, but Everton are the template for clubs to be to be done with stability and, and to be done uh, to get, well, to finish fifth or sixth. I, I think the, the big difference, though, when you look at Everton and Villa is that, you know, a, Everton are in a certain part of the world. They've got Liverpool on their doorstep. They've got City and United you know, uh, 45 minutes away. Villa are, correct me if I'm wrong here, the biggest club in the Midlands, in, in one of the most populous areas of the country. It's an area that produces a, a lot of footballers and, and where there's a lot of industry, you can get sponsorship and whatever else. You can, theoretically, I mean, you would think that is an area where there's the potential to for, for a club to, to become potentially a, a super club, right? More so than Manchester, for example, where you've got two of them. Yeah, definitely. But it, it, it's it's a, the oil money, isn't it, that's come into you know Manchester and, and certainly has uh, changed the landscape a little bit. Certainly, with what's going on behind the scenes in uh, at Manchester City, uh, Aston Villa. If, if somebody would have come in exactly the same, I'm sure the, the same would have happened to Aston Villa. But it hasn't. You know, Tony's right. It's a shame that you know these football clubs can't be owned by local people. And for me, I think they'd be a lot better well, if they were. They didn't have oil money, but they had a. They had an owner, Randy Lerner, who spent a lot of money and gave Martin O'Neill a lot of money with the, you know, and then they, they finished to, fifth to achieve several years. What? To make them successful and then sell them or, you well, know. What, whatever they were trying to achieve. I mean, they finished fifth several seasons. I think the idea is maybe if the club could have grown commercially, if they could have grown with the younger players around the same time, maybe they could have created some sort of virtuous cycle where they could have possibly been a, a, a perennial close to Champions League type if, club. Is there an example anywhere that this happened, Gab? Because I'm, I'm I struggle. I can really think of the clubs that have been taken over who've become successful, who've spent massively. I'm trying to think of one that's been taken over and has followed that kind of blueprint and it's worked. Well, you could argue that... Crystal Palace. What? what? Not enough with it. Why do you have to bring Crystal Palace up every show? <laughs> He's on about... What? Sorry, Tony, what, what was your question again? No, no just that, that idea that a, a club can be done in that way, that it can be taken over and it can follow the kind of blueprint that Gab was talking about well, and be competitive. I, could, I just don't think it's happening. Well, no, well, I mean, you could argue, and obviously they did invest a lot of money, but Chelsea broke, have been breaking even the last couple of years. They are self-sustaining. Um, but, but the cycle begun with a massive investment. But, yeah, but quite, yeah, but with, yeah and, and City as well. In fact, one of the things that I often like to have a right giggle about is when people talk about how wonderful the Premier League is because of uh, of all the teams that can win the title. And at the same time, they complain about Sheikh Mansour and Roman Abramovich. Well, if Mansour and Abramovich had never decided, if you had a law that said no foreign ownership in football, right, then you would have had a situation where, which probably would have suited you, where United would have just won the title forever and Arsenal would have just finished second all the time and Liverpool might have gotten the Champions League, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. 
Chelsea and City were able to grow organically to the size of, of big self-sustaining clubs mm. because somebody made that massive initial investment. See, I would say the only club I think have spent an awful lot of money is Tottenham over the years. You know, Tottenham's been in a... Without How do you see that when they've, actually, when, when they've actually profitable? And they've, they've still net, spent big gap. Yeah, but their net spend is positive. Yeah, which it's, means it's the that net spend, sold. isn't it? That's the, they, which which well, means that they, 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 they took in more money than they Then than you've they got sold. your recruitment wrong. You, you said at the start of this show we finished we fifth talked, last we, year. I mean, well, we t- we talked when they had about the sixth highest wage bill. I mean, and they were pretty rubbish, but it still kind of works, right? Kind of works. Well, I, I, you know, if, if you I have the sixth highest wage bill and they finish fifth, and I make money off of transfers yeah, every year, you could, you could then, help. you know, I could look at it and say, well, I could spend another fifty million, mm-hmm. and then I just lose. So, but this way, I make money and I can build my new stadium, and it suits me just. Kevin fine. Kagan's Newcastle was lots of spending. You know, they didn't win the league. They what did they come, they come yeah. second, you know, but they spent a hell of a lot of money, paid big wages. You know, there are clubs that have done it, but there's a lot of clubs that have been like Blackburn's, Chelsea's, even yeah, Nottingham uh, Forest sorry, in sorry, the late sorry, 70s. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Newcastle haven't done it. Well, no, they've spent, they have spent lots of money. Yeah, no, but Under they have but they, they spent haven't, fortunes but they never became self sustaining. That's what I'm saying is, I mean, Chelsea. Partly because of the boom in commercial revenues and sponsorship, whatever, Chelsea and City, to some degree, have managed to spend enormous amounts of money and reach some level of self-sustainability. Hmm. Newcastle, maybe because they made some mistakes at boardroom level, um, maybe because it was a different era, haven't been able to do that. And Villa weren't able to do that. I mean, I, I, I think that's the that's a, the distinction. So this is quite simple. I don't need a name unless you really want to give a name. Uh, I'm just going to look at the uh, top six clubs because, of course, we're biased towards the top six clubs. And i just like you to identify what position you would add to, if any. You can only pick one. Chelsea, James. I would go centre-forward. Cass? Right back. Barrett? Centre-back. I'm not a big fan of Gary Cale. I think Gary Cale, to play particularly well needs John Terry on top of his game and I don't think he can do that at top club and I think when John Terry's not on top of his game Kale sinks and I think that's what we saw yesterday yeah I'd almost be tempted to say actually oh look another attacking midfielder so that they don't run people into the ground and everything but then I just think they're too reliant on Costa and you're not a big Radamel Falcao fan I wonder why Um, Manchester United let's start with you James well can only pick one position yes I know you probably had to pick three or four but you're going to pick one it's got to be a centre half and Bizarrely enough, they haven't addressed that all summer, so and it doesn't look like they're going to address it either. So, Dally Blint is your new centre back. Uh, Cass, centre forward. Barrett, yeah, I'm with Cass, centre forward. Mm. They do need a centre forward, but they need a centre half as well. <laughs> they need a few. <laughs> it's more than one. Uh, Arsenal, Cass, centre half. Again with a centre half. No, I didn't. I said centre forward last time. No, but I mean Arsenal. Though you they, they, was it centre half. But what, you're not a big Gabriel fan, and you got Koscielny and Mertesacker. No, and I still no, I'd still say centre half. He played Chambers there. No, 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 no. Okay, centre half Arsenal. <laughs> Barrett spine. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be totally left field and controversial. Goalkeeper. Ooh, you're not Ooh. a fan of Peter Cech. Because well, I think I think although the last week suggests otherwise, Chelsea aren't stupid, and all this stuff about the Bramwich and sentimentality, I'm not buying it. But he's worth 10 to 15 points a season. Exactly. John exactly. Terry said that. John <laughs> yeah. Terry said, we've given a player who finished not far behind us a player, a, a club who finished 10, not far behind us, a player who will give them 10 to 15 points. That That is how it works at Chelsea. <laughs> All right. Spurs. Cass. Midfielder, central midfielder. Interesting. 
Yeah, I'd go midfield as well. Central midfield. Interesting again. Spine. Mason, Bentelad, Dembele, no? Although Eric Dyer's done okay. Barrett? Centre forward. Yeah, I completely agree. Centre forward, especially with uh, Soldado gone. By the way, what a brilliant piece of business it was to sell Soldado. As awful as it was to sign him (laughs) for all that money, getting that much money back for a 30-year-old on big wages in the current market. A 30-year-old has done nothing the last two years. Mm. Tremendous. You don't know half of that might have had to go to Salgado to get him out. Well, hopefully it didn't go to Salgado. Hopefully it went to Soldado, maybe. They're different people. Are they? But... (laughs) Sorry, it's too easy there. Liverpool! Cast. (laughs) Can't say manager. (laughs) I know you're tempted. Well, it's obvious for me. Goalkeeper. Really? Nearly's that bad to you? Right. James? I probably would go with Gareth. I think that's a good shout, actually. Goalkeeper. Are you going to join in this in this this criticism of Adam Bogdan? Yeah, I I think they do need a goalkeeper, but not as much as they need a defensive midfielder. But Brendan Rodgers will want one, so I will say left back. Yeah, one day you need to tell me what what is up with with Jose Enrique. By the way, Enrique basically yeah. well, he was injured. He never got back in the side, and he's got here left, and they're desperate to get him out. I think I think he's on big money for a player who doesn't play a great deal. Yeah. Bit like that Italian center forward they have. Um, <laughs> Manchester City, Cass. Nothing. Not even Kevin De Bruyne. No. All right. Um, you could nitpick maybe a right-sided player if if but Neves was good yesterday. Well, a third center forward, no more. Barrett. No, I, I do. I, I think it's more that the identity rather than the position. I think I think they can get someone better than Navas. But he, again, he was good yesterday. I know they got the the, the guy whose name escapes me right now, for, but who was in the youth team and scored all those goals. But nobody thinks they need a third striker. It's been greedy that. I think he's, he's he's got no <laughs> aspirations <laughs> of playing two up front this year, has he? I think that's pretty okay, clear. But neither do Chelsea, and they have three veteran strikers. Most teams that play one up have three strikers. The, the problem it? if you get a third striker is, are you going to go out and spend big money on someone who's going to come in and not really play? Mm. They've also got Sterling who can play up top yeah. if yeah. needs to be. I, 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 I think, I think Sterling is a great sign in me. Yeah, maybe Sterling is a third striker. Good point. Right, time now for some quick hits. Spurs race out to a 2-0 lead over Stoke, but then Kane goes off and and uh, the opposition claws their way back into a draw. James, Soldado's gone. Pochettino wants another striker. Assuming he doesn't sign Cavani or Ibrahimovic or somebody of that quality, will it really make a difference to their top four prospects? Well, it will make a difference because it will make them stronger, although Harry Kane's a very, very good centre-forward. Um, I think they need more than, than Harry Kane, and I'm not quite sure it will make any difference whatsoever. So in Levy land, you say, well, if it's not, not going to help us, why go and spend money? Bill Kenwright gets some stick from a portion of supporters, but Everton take all three points away to Southampton, and Romelu Lukaku steals the show. Tony, if he plays at this level every single week, and if Barkley's healthy, what sort of ambition can Evertonians have? And then does that ambition include finishing ahead of Liverpool? I think the players like that every week they can have whatever ambition they like. I think the reality is he won't because every player has slips in form. The bigger the bigger issue for me with Everton is is has the penny dropped with Roberto Martinez who who spent the last two years bemoaning counter attacking football as parasite football when it's when it's the kind of football that will bring out the best in Lukaku and will give them the, the best chance of achieving whatever their objectives are. I think they can if they maintain this type of form, finish top six. Notice how he ducks the question about whether they will finish higher than Liverpool. I think, I, I, I think Liverpool will, will still have a little bit too much for them, but I don't think it will be as emphatic as last season. 
Arsenal turned the week one frown upside down uh, with a victory at Crystal Palace. Olivier Giroud scores a pretty goal and Santi Casorla looked Pirlo-esque in the Pirlo position. Uh, Cass, you'll be nicer about Arsenal's prospects this season than uh, your buddy Stuart Robson was last week, right? Even the hardest Tottenham fans are nicer than Stuart to his former <laughs> club. Um, I, I like Arsenal. I like a lot about them. It's just that when we see them putting the performance they did against West Ham, you're scratching your head. Well, how does that happen? Now? How do they get beat so comfortably at the Emirates? Um, I think they're a really good side. I don't think they'll win it, but you know the certainty of a top four. And I think Wenger's got one of the best teams he's had for years. Speaking of Palace, uh, your mate, Alan Pardew complains after the game that Lee Mason should have sent off Francis Coughlin. Now, for those who didn't see it, Coughlin was on a yellow, uh, maybe a slightly harsh yellow, but then he goes and I thought he had at least two, possibly three bookable uh, offenses. So personally, I find myself in a bit of agreement with Mr. Pardew. Um, So, James, do you agree with Pards as well? Uh, Would it have made a difference to the game? And is it okay with you that managers go and complain about the sort of thing, oh, you should have sent so-and-so off after the game? He gets asked a question, doesn't he? Right, and he says, oh, I don't like like speaking about referees. That's all he can do. He could do that. Listen, the bottom line is it's not even a a, a grey area, is it? He should have gone. Um, I think, was it the tug on Wilfred Zaha? That, w- that was definitely a yellow card. Why Mr Mason didn't send him off, I don't know. Would it have affected the game? Yeah, it'd been hard to say. It wouldn't have done, but I think Arsenal possibly would have had enough and maybe just packed out the midfield and would have seen it out. Top 10 finish for Bards? No. Ooh. Sunderland lose at home to Norwich and they call a crisis meeting. Tony, are two defeats really worth a crisis? I think it's the nature of the defeats rather than the actual defeats themselves. The only thing I'd say is that surely someone would be used to this by now. They, they don't get going until crisis, real crisis kicks in in February, March time. And, and this is just the way the club's gone for some same season. Whatever they're doing during the summer, they need to change because they're getting it badly wrong. And I don't think anyone's surprised to see them struggling the way they are because that's just the way it's been far too long. Well, no suggestion that Dick's in danger, right? It, I don't really suggest that. I think the, the question is whether he will regret his decision not to not to walk away. Don't look now, but my man, crazy Claudio Ranieri, a former Times columnist, no less, is top of the league. James, are you surprised? Is he just surfing on the coattails of Nigel Pearson's sterling work? Well, without doubt, if you look at the run that they're in, I think they've taken 28 points from the last 33 in the Premier League. Staggering form. Uh, they always struggle to score goals at the first half the season and now got a lot of pace to the team they're scoring goals I think they'll be alright this this time less, uh, I think they'll be alright this year um, and fair play to Ranieri he got a little bit of criticism when he came in but he's hit the ground running it's all you can do win games of football Can I have a personal appeal out to everybody out there can they f- freaking stop calling him the Tinker Man <laughs> it was it was stupid when they did it back in 2002, which is 13 years ago. He calls himself the Tinker Man now. What? He calls himself because he's now. taking the he's taking the Mickey out of all you people. Like, oh look, he's controversial. <laughs> he, said he, he said everyone does it now, but I am the originator, and he's, he's right on that to be fair. But he's not the originator. He's the first time no, you guys saw he, it. He got battered for doing something that was logical. Yeah, by by stupid people, by the same people <laughs> who didn't realize that like Sir Alex Ferguson started rotating his squad in the mid 90s, but nobody called it squad rotation, so nobody picked up on it. But he won games of football yes because he's Sir Alex Ferguson you, you mm. want to set the bar that high it was a Champions yeah, League yeah. semi-final that killed him wasn't it when he made all the subs and they got knocked out Dad one for you the Bundesliga kicked off this past weekend nobody's going to stop by and are they well Cass I guess you didn't read my piece in uh, uh, the game today I thought if there's a team that has a shot it could be Borussia Dortmund uh, they signed this 
that they brought in Thomas Tuchel, who is, I think, one of the most creative minds out there in the game. It's hard to tell whether the guy's a, a genius or, or, or a fool or a little too out there, but they were absolutely devastating on Saturday. And on top of that, people forget they, have, they finished 7th last year, and they have a lot of guys who, for one reason or another, had really bad seasons last year, from Hummels to Pischek to Schmelzer to Gundogan uh, to Mkhitaryan. If they revert to form, I think they could give Bayern a run for their money. And if Bayern also engages them to, in some level of self-harm. Will Bayern win the league? Uh, Probably, yeah. They're ten to one on, but I, I think I think Thomas Tuchel is definitely somebody to watch. Mm. Right, that's all we've got time for today. Many thanks to my guest today, Tony Cascarino, James Scowcroft, and from Merseyside, Tony Barrett. Please press that subscribe button if you haven't already. We're going to be back with you next week. You can also join Time Sport Online. It's a one-pound digital trial, and you get exclusive football, rugby, cricket highlights free as part of your subscription. Till next week, bye-bye. Your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away. listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.